Did you know that over 60,000 new tracks are uploaded to Spotify every single day? That's a new track every 1.4 seconds, and that's just on one platform. With so much music now available, it's more important than ever to stand out from the crowd. So it's not surprising that more artists are starting to use less conventional sonic textures in their music, like field recordings. Perhaps you've always wanted to infuse the sounds of nature or your favourite city into your own tracks, but not having the right gear or knowledge might have held you back. Well, if that's the case, you're going to love the brand new guide I just created, teaching you how to start field recording with just a smartphone. And it's all yours for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. Yep, you really do just need a humble smartphone and some minimal extra gear that doesn't have to break the bank to get started with field recording. And I've laid it all out in this handy five-point checklist. So download it for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel and elevate your music to the next level. Just being able to share it in that way. And it's such a, I suppose, personal and almost like you're showing part of your body in the flesh when you're sharing your music and especially when you're sharing it to such a, a group of select, you know, quite a select people, that, that same thing comes in your head of they're just going to think it's crap. But then when you start seeing that people are just supporting it and just going, oh, that's, a, you know, congrats on the, even just on the congrats on the release and just hearing about the fact that they're, they may be struggling to, to get up and record themselves, but how the fact that you've released something is making them think I'm going to get up and I'm going to try my door again before I give up. Hello and welcome to Girls Twiddling Knobs. My name's Isabel and over the last decade, my self-produced and self-released music has amassed over 25 million Spotify streams. I also have a PhD in sonic arts, but I wasn't always this confident with music tech. In fact, I still hear those self-doubt gremlins in my head from time to time. I started this podcast to help more female-identifying musicians start recording and producing their music and learn from other women making music with technology. If that's your cup of tea, then you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in. Well, hello, Knob Twiddlers, and welcome back to another episode of Girls Twiddling Knobs. Now, if you're anything like most musicians, including myself, you're familiar with the disappointment you feel when you've slaved away over your music, sent it out into the world, and it just didn't get the response you were hoping for. It doesn't matter how many well-meaning friends and family tell you they love it. Without that notable blog review or X amount of Spotify streams, it can just feel like a failure. It's easy to just want to give up on music altogether at this point, especially if it's cost you your hard-earned cash or precious energy. And if you're listening to me thinking, a way to make a girl feel good, Isabel, thanks, don't worry, this episode is far from a downer. Because inside, Penny White, aka Jenny Welch, shares how this all changed once she became more involved in the process of recording and producing her music. This is a journey that has resulted in Jenny recording and releasing two EPs, being made track of the week on BBC Introducing, and feeling more fulfilled than ever before in the process. I think you'll find it really inspiring hearing how, despite some disappointing past experiences, learning to record and produce herself helped Jenny fall back in love with music. Jenny also shares how she approached creating a bigger sound on her new EP too, 
And we go deep on how vulnerable releasing self-recorded music felt the first time round for her. Okay, let's meet Jenny. Okay, so welcome Jenny to Girls Twiddling Knobs. It's wonderful to have you here. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So yeah, we've got loads to talk about, including your new release too, which I'm really excited to get into in more detail. But first, can you just introduce yourself to the listeners as in who are you, where are you based and what kind of music do you make? So, well, my name's Jenny, but I have a performance name under the name Penny. And a lot of people ask me why. And it's because I was going to be originally called Penny and my mother and father had an argument and... My mother won that argument. <laughs> I was called Jenny, but my dad was my main inspiration behind my music. And a lot of what I do has probably come from him. So in honour of that, I've used the stage name Penny and I do a lot of my recording releases under that name. Based in Sheffield, originally hailed from borders of England and Wales. So if anyone knows the little book town, Hay and Why, you might know Hereford, mm-hmm. Hay and Why. Beautiful little place, little nook, very closed off, very rural, absolutely stunning though. But yeah, grew up there for a good 20 something years, dare I say my age. And then we moved up to Sheffield for a little bit of a different, still the rural life, but a different, different pace, I suppose, and, and different opportunities. So, and I've been pretty much making music, as most people probably say, who like creating and writing their own bits. I've been doing this probably for years, since teen years throughout. As for actual recording my and taking that into my own hands, I've only been doing that for the past two years. I, can, I don't even think it's a full second year yet, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah. So, so before you started recording, what were you doing in terms of, were you mainly gigging? Were you releasing music, but just recorded by other people? Yeah, I was releasing music with a lot of my dad's connections. My dad used to make a lot of connections in the music world through what he did. He was a very entrepreneurial kind of music producer slash movie anything he could put his thumb into. So that was creative. And he introduced me to a lot of people that did, well, they had their own studios and they did their own production, you know, produced music. And and I suppose a lot of the connections were through them, or through my dad, more to the point. So I, I recorded a little EP back in, I think it was 2011. So before that, probably gigging, I've got to be honest, because everyone starts out gigging and doing you know, uh, little kind of, uh, I suppose, spots at their pub or their, I suppose, local halls or local festivals. And then through that, I think when my dad could see that I was serious, he suggested that I go see somebody and actually get into a studio and actually write some, well, record these some of these songs that I've been writing. Yeah, so I I think it was 2011, we, we put an EP together. I wasn't happy with the first copy of the EP and I had to really push to get it to complete start again and um we did we did start again it still still didn't quite cut it for me but but we did get to the end of the whole ep process and uh, recording and going in and at the time i think i was still quite young so i, I probably didn't take it as seriously as i, I could have but i i think there was a lot of things that you know when you, you like music and you like what you're doing there's a lot of ideas you come to the table with and when you start suggesting them to somebody who's already kind of no, well, I say in that kind of 
line of work, they poo-poo or, or they kind of sidestep some of those ideas because they've got their own or they've got their own idea of how you're sounding. And I, I, I think it's not that I don't respect what they were saying, but I, I think at that time I just took a back seat because I was very young and I just kind of mm. just let it happen rather than go, hey, I, I just don't think that's quite what I want it to sound like. Or, hey, no, that's, mm. that's mm, no. Because I think that the main producer we were with at the time, he was very much into the new romantics and had that, you know, that was his niche, so to speak. Yeah. So what I produced out of that, I mean, I wanted a bit more of a folky sound, a bit more kind of broken down, kind of into the kind of intimate sound which is not really kind of that new romantic take mm. but mm-hmm. so that was really hard to push for that anyway so I did, I did that EP and then uh, promoted that and we it did build some momentum and I did some things like Brecon Jazz Festival we did a little slot at the Fringe and we did a bunch of little slots in and around UK um, and little festivals which was really fun and then I took a break for about a year and a bit and then we, I think, yeah, it, it actually probably took a break longer than that, but still taking a break. I mean, you're still writing songs, aren't you? You're always writing songs when you're doing music uh, like that. And if it's your creative outlet, I think it's always something that you go back to, regardless where you are. Um, yeah. So I was always writing throughout those years. And then it was a good few years later before I even thought of creating an EP again. And actually that wasn't through my dad's uh, connections. My dad had uh, passed away back in 2014. And I think that was a bit of a catalyst for my life spinning off into Sheffield and a total different area and just kind of exploring that and and kind of taking charge, the beginning of me taking charge. It was really mm. an odd little moment back in 2014. I think we moved up to Sheffield and then... I decided that I really wanted to pursue music after I finished university. This was after doing a fine art degree. I came out of university. I thought, right, now for something completely different. (laughs) I'm going to do something totally different from my degree. But I still apply. It's it's very odd. I still apply a lot of the stuff that I learned in university from that degree, actually, for what I'm doing now. Can you talk a little bit about that, Jenny? Like, what are the things that you come back to in your music that you learned from that more kind of visual art background? It's almost like an organisation of thoughts or an organisation of ideas, because a lot of it is conceptual, and even music in itself is quite conceptual. So it's it's being able to explore almost what you're writing about through other mediums and then incorporating that. It's, it's very, uh, that's probably very artsy and fartsy and wordy. But uh, it does it does really help you visualize what you're trying to achieve. And I think if you sometimes with that visualize, visualization, I think it can help hone your ideas down a bit. I mean, at first, your idea is an absolute splat of paint on a white canvas and it could just be absolute crazy madness patterns and colors. But you can hone that down into a bit more of a shape over there and that's becoming a bit more of that and then mm. it, it just really helps that design process and the nice thing is it's fluid it's never it's never rigid and it shouldn't ever be that way and that's the nice idea about this conceptual thing behind everything is it can change you don't have to stick to it it is your idea it's your concept why do you have to stick to it you're not even you know, are you gonna who do you have to answer to <laughs> I mean you have to mm. answer to yourself at the end of the day and 
you're the boss. So if you want to change it to blue, change it to blue. Yeah, so I say a lot of that is influenced from the fine art course that I did and and this the way that I plan and map out some of the things that I'm I'm doing at the moment within this whole music project. Yeah, 100% applying that like nobody's business. Yeah, so it sounds like it's really kind of it's helped give you a foundation for your creative process Definitely. of allowing things to evolve and not getting too attached to ideas before things form, you know, and then also having the boldness or the courage to change things if you feel like they need to be changed even if you know even if you've been working on something for three weeks it's okay if you totally change the beat or you totally change the whole arrangement or something like that that you have that that uh, experience behind you from doing through practicing as a visual artist to know sometimes you just have to go with your gut yeah 100% and it's okay to make mistakes as well actually sometimes there's a bit of a beauty in some mistakes yeah don't don't always throw it in the bin don't always think ah that check that out there's a reason as to why you got to that mistake as well which is yeah it's just really interesting some even in like I said it's it's hard to kind of put it into words how it translates into music but it it, there is (laughs) definitely a translation into it in how you map out your idea from from maybe a concept or maybe you're, you're mapping out an idea about how you want the artwork to look or you want some, a feel of something. You want a general feel of your music to have. Mm-hmm. And um, it really does translate into it to what you're creating when you're there in your, your audio and you're popping it all down. Yeah. Well, so I'm interested, you know, you said that kind of around 2014, 2015 is where you really decided, right, I want to take charge of this. Not just, I want to take this seriously. I want to really take music seriously, but your words were, I want to take charge of this. What Mm. led to feeling that instead of, oh, if only I could just find someone to take charge of it for me. (laughs) Oh, dare I say, I was sitting on my laurels probably with me, relying on my dad for an awful lot of uh, support. And I suppose for guidance in the music uh, world and, and, and just relying on that kind of font of knowledge. And don't get me there wrong, it's, it's still there of things that he said and, you know, mm. it's long past. But there's definitely still some core elements of what he left behind where, that I recall that he says something about, oh, well, don't be, be careful about that or, or just be be mindful that you've got this in your head or, you know, that particular melody. You don't have to have it stuck like that because he was a saxophonist by... Um, by, well on his musical side so he had yeah again the kind of jazz influences but jazz is very playful music in itself and it's I think he understood that you don't have to be rigid with it I think I was too formulaic and then some of my songwriting so that even his criticisms weren't I, I wouldn't call them criticisms now that I've said that word is probably the wrong word to use but his feedback <laughs> or his uh his opinion it on like it, it was almost like song. a kind of mentoring. It was yeah, like a yeah. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I used to really kind of throw a tantrum if he would say something. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't quite like uh, about a song that I obviously, you know, felt about like well, I've just broken up with a boyfriend and I'm absolutely having a moment, and I'm just like, what do you mean? You don't understand. But yeah. no, he was he was very um, yeah, very insightful for what he would give me for advice, you know, advice for something, and he would tell me. You know, if something's like he doesn't quite understand a lyric or maybe I'm not enunciating the lyric enough to make it, if it's a predominant one, enunciate it a bit. Yeah. So, yeah, very. I lost that mentor. I lost that person. And uh, I think because of that, 
it was the catalyst for me going, right, there's nobody else here who's going to help me do this. Yeah. I'm going to have to do it myself. I'm going to have to get off my ass, <laughs> go find somebody who might be able to, again, at that point, I was still thinking, I go into a studio and I get somebody to help me do it. And they'll know more about the music industry than I could ever possibly know <laughs> at this point. So still kind of semi-reliant on somebody else to a point. Uh, for the second EP that I created that's actually out. Um, and I I wasn't entirely clued up. And I uh, there, were, there were a lot of things that I felt like I could have done on the other side of its release that I, I didn't think about because I and, – and that control that you have at the beginning almost – and it's not even control, the, the word is, is involvement. It's like an actual involvement at the beginning – further than just putting the music down, further than just putting the bass down, for me, hmm. wasn't there as much as it could have been. So I didn't have as much invested in the other side of it. Right. That That's a really good point to make, actually, Jenny. You know, that if you haven't... It sounds like you weren't able to really... <laughs> I know I'm using some language that we usually use for like parent, mother and child, but you weren't able to bond with the music. <laughs> you know, you weren't able to bond with that record in the recording process. Yeah, and so yeah. when that happens, then it does feel a bit like, well, effort, you know, like it's not, it's not really what I wanted it to be. It's not, and I never didn't really have the chance to get that relationship with it where I got to kind of channel something really special so I'll put it out there. I'll see what happens. Yeah, I, yeah. I get what you're saying. That a makes level sense. of disconnect almost. It's it's like yeah. a, it's a bit ridiculous because you should really feel that that you're putting something into it. So therefore, you know, on the other side, you're just as invested, and you do push mm. that investment. And you really, and I thought to myself at the time because you 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 do, and I I did definitely for myself in that particular instance I thought I was definitely invested in it I'm definitely going to do you know the other side of this is going to be great it's going to launch Skyward you know I, I want so much for this it's going to be brilliant I've made my mind up so therefore it's going to happen but it just it did feel a bit flat and I, I suppose the reception on the other side of it wasn't necessary from other people I mean it had a great reception it still kind of did more than I thought it could have done but the reception of it on my my probably experience of it fell a bit flatter than I would have hoped for. Um, and I feel that's because, again, a lot of the time I, f I was in that studio and I was trying to get a particular sound and I'd have somebody go, no, 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 you don't, you don't need that. And I'd go, but right there. And then it would just be like, okay, but they know better. They know they've done this. They've had countless people that they've just rattled off a bunch of names to me that sound like, yeah, I know that guy. He was on telly yesterday. So, yeah, you know what you're doing, mate, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, kind of kick myself for it as well because on the other side of it, I think, like I said, I should have had this tangible kind of relationship with it, but I didn't. And I also, I think some of the the control as well I didn't have at the end of it. I didn't come away with things called stems. I didn't even know what stems were. And um, I probably could have done more with the actual time and money and everything that I invested with it had I just known the smaller things and taken that much more of an active interest and active thing rather than a passive, I'm going to go turn up and I'm going to sing and then I'm going to have somebody else help me out kind of figure out the bass and I'm going to have somebody else kind of help me out figure out where the guitar is going to go. So I, that was my experience and not necessarily 
saying that that's everybody's experience, but that was definitely my experience with those. Well, it's quite a different one from the first one, but yeah, not it, it wasn't for me. I think that second, that second. What made those two experiences different then? Um, environment one. <laughs> yeah, entirely different environment. One was a small, dingy little dungeon of a, a somebody's converted into a recording studio. <laughs> And the other one seemed like a really nice um, kind of converted chalet into all these lovely bohemian kind of tiles and bits and bobs around. And that's not knocking the place. I mean, they they do know their stuff. They know what they were doing within what they like to do and the genres and the people that they've worked with. I think it just gets a little bit harder when you're you're not sure. It's it's almost like they're really not to blame. And it, it just, mm-hmm. I know that sounds like awful, like I'm trying to pass it off, like they were bullies, but they weren't no, at all, really. They were, they were just, they were, they knew what they knew. And when I came to the table, I was just passive to it. So I just lay back and just went, yeah, sure. You guys know, you guys know what you're doing. And um, yeah, <laughs> so now on the other side of it all, um, again, it took me a good few years because I've not recorded well, I didn't record anything. I gave up music actually after that. I took a real dismal spiral from it. And um, I thought, that's it, not doing this. And it made me so upset, even just saying I'm not doing this. But it felt like the weirdest and the rightest thing to do <laughs> at the time is yeah. just say I'm not doing was it. That because, Jenny, was that because you'd kind of gone back? You'd said, right, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to go in and record. And then you record. And it's not doesn't sound like it was you know an awful experience but it's not the experience you would have liked and then you come out the other side and and you don't really feel that connected with the outcome and then it doesn't do as well as you would have liked it to have done and then you're kind of left with well where do I go from here is that how it felt yeah to a point I think there was another also an element of I had the wrong idea of what I actually wanted from it Mm. as well I think that's something that everybody has to find out for themselves. And it's something that you'll kind of have to think about, you know, what do you want from it? If you want immediate fame and fortune, it's the wrong thing to kind of aim for, I think, at that stage. It was for me, definitely. And um, I think in my head, I thought it was going to be this massive catalyst to some form of like you, I think you've even put it at some point in your yourself, Isabel, that that's it. You're going to be, you know, playing Jules Holland. You're going to be out there and everyone's going to take notice. But, yeah, I think the fact that it didn't do that made me disheartened. And I had I was in it for the wrong reasons. I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I didn't invest enough in either side of it to, to feel that connect, to feel like I, yeah, it just, it, it didn't, yeah. It was like a, it was like a bit of a kind of postpartum depression. <laughs> We're really going with the, go the baby. There. Yeah, go back into yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. I think loads of people can relate to that. I can relate to that, and I think that it's really necessary sometimes to just step away and get a different perspective. And so it sounds like you you did and sometimes that means actually being like right I'm, I'm giving up you know like you really need to cut the ties 
And I also believe that if it's in you, it's in you. So it will always come back up again. You'll always find whether you want it or not. Like it sometimes really pisses me off. So I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, just stop getting an idea or a little glint or a little seed coming up, you know, because then you're back on it again. And, you know, but obviously that's a really good thing. And I'm really grateful that that little seed always gets planted in me. But I think sometimes you do need to just say, right, that's it. I am out. Yeah. So that you can then really like let those dead leaves fall, clear the way for that seed to come up. And that may be for a few years' time. But how was it for you, Jenny? When did you start to get that little kind of glimmer again of, actually, I do want to make music? I think I'm still, still always writing it, always writing it, even if I'm not necessarily performing it. And at the time when I was taking my quote-unquote break, from it and I'd talk about it to others and I'd get really sad and be like almost like a faux pas subject and people don't mention music around you know she'll get upset Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was probably a little bit jaded as well so there was that too like music you know music industry mm, (laughs) don't even want to talk about it but there's always an outlet a creative outlet for me and uh, I think when you're always doing something anyway like you said it's always naturally there I, I started thinking, well, I'm just going to, you know, I had a a digital or audio writer or door already, and I had had that bequeathed to me my, by my brother um, who mm. decided he was kind of done faffing about with music himself yeah. for a bit. Um, <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'll have it if you're not going to, if it's just going to go in the bin. So I just tinkered around on it. I think this is like, this is before we went even went into lockdown. It's way, but like a year before, I was just messing about on it and putting little things out on SoundCloud and just kind of enjoying that smallness of it, I suppose, and not really putting any big kind of grand efforts behind it and and not keeping up with it. The social media isn't well, well for me as a person. I, I find can be a bit of a killer the whole promo thing, but we'll get into that in a different point. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think. It was always there. It's always doing it. And uh, even just on a smaller, more quiet kind of like church mouse scale. And then I I think something just must have clicked. I think it was uh, just over lockdown and I was thinking to myself of different ideas and different concepts of just anything arty anyway, because you just naturally do, like I said, drift off and have a little or a seed of a thought of something. And then it was just like a really bizarre feeling of like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, um, yeah, I've already kind of figured out a little bit of how to press record and what I need to do within that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh dear. <laughs> the thought gets a bit over, I suppose I had a few tracks recorded or the, I call them the skeleton of the of the track, mm. just the, just the basics recorded. And then, um, I was really doubting it, uh, whether I should even release them out to the public into the wild. <laughs> yeah. And I was uh, saying to my, my husband, I was like, oh, God, should I even do, should I, you know, because last time I pursued this, it didn't, you know. And he said, yeah, but you're not pursuing it from the same place. You're, you're pursuing it as it's, it's something you really want to do. You, it's more about getting your music out there in the way that you want to get it out. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to do with you want fame, fortune, you want it to, you know, be on the next, you know, top of the pops. I don't know, it doesn't exist, but hey ho, yeah, <laughs> all, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so, I suppose that was the first kind of knock of okay, I'm right. I'm doing, I'm doing the right thing. I think I'm going in the right direction for this. And then I came across your uh, 
lovely advertisement <laughs> on social media. And I thought, wait a second, <laughs> that's kind of something that I'm trying to do at the moment. And I uh, attended the taster and I thought, holy crap, I'm not alone. Holy crap, this yeah. is actually a thing. This is this is not just something that I'm thinking I'm totally on this lonely boat going out to sea. Good luck. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that thing. It was just, yeah, it was really kind of, um, it was like an actual bit of affirmation for me that like, yeah, yeah, this can actually be done. I can do this. Mm. It's actually going to be something that I can pursue and I can actually complete a project or complete a track in its fullness mm. on my own and uh, get to the other side of it and there's still potentially stuff that I can do and because I had a concept already that was starting to bud at that point mm. oh my yeah. god did it come flooding after that it just was like holy crap shut up brain <laughs> just <laughs> not stop and yeah. it's been brilliant ever since really with the just from the creative side it's been absolutely stimulating as hell and that in itself is enough nourishment on its own just on a base level that's great yeah that's really great to hear Jenny and I mean because I know that so many people when they think about embarking on learning to record and produce their music it just feels so overwhelming but hearing you talk it's really obvious how much it's reconnected you with your music or you know like strengthened that connection with your music and given you more of a sense of why you're doing it and who you are as an artist. 100% it's helped me um I think fine, fine, fine tune those ideas as well. And that doesn't mean I'm, I'm just getting rid of things. It just means that as I've learned to record, I've been able to go into exploring ideas of different sounds mm. and then going, no, that's not right. That's not what I'm aiming for. And I'll be like, but I'm going to keep you in my back pocket because there's some other track that I know down the line that I'm going to want you for. So, okay, save that. I save it. Like uh, there's particular soundscapes and MIDI sounds that come out that I definitely think, wow, that's cool, but not for this track whatsoever. (laughs) I'm loving it, but not for this. And that's interesting saying that, Jenny, because like I was thinking about the your experiences in the studio where you're like, well, could we try adding that? And then someone's like, no, no, that's not going to work. And with this process, you're able to explore those ideas. And even if it doesn't work for that track, you have learned something and you've got another tool that you can apply later on. So that is just so much more satisfying if you are that way inclined. I know there's some people that they just want to hand it over to somebody else and they'll get it done for them. And that's fine. But if you're that way inclined, but you're curious and you're like, well, I want to see what it sounds like. You know, that's that's so exciting when you get to follow that path. It is. Definitely. And it's one of the best parts, I think, of the whole thing is actually getting to create the music. And it can be frustrating, (laughs) very frustrating at times. Yeah, I do. uh, I think patience is definitely something that needs to be hammered (laughs) into me sometimes because I'm I'm (laughs) the worst. I'm so impatient with things if it's not working. But I do sometimes step away. I've learned to step away. And you go a bit ear blind. I keep telling my husband I go a bit ear blind sometimes. Um, where you have to just stop noise for a bit and stop any sounds and just come back to something completely fresh either the next day or not listen to anything that you've created for a whole week and come back to it on the weekend and go right now why is it not working I know that's yeah that's just too much in your face I need to pull yeah. that down it's I really liked it but yeah it's just way too at the forefront yeah. I need to pull that way down 
I think that's it is that I think when you when you have that lack of confidence which is totally understandable when you have that lack of confidence the minute you realize something's not right you start to to panic and freak out and be like oh my god it's not right oh my god I'm never gonna have it right oh my god I don't know how to make it right and suddenly it all becomes basically about you being crap rather than (laughs) or or this catastrophizing of I'll never work it out but when you do take a step away and um and you come back after a couple of days sometimes it's only a couple of hours you listen and you're like that's why it's not working and this is how I can still sort it out and it's amazing how different you know so you do learn that as you go and I think this is why I was trying to encourage people to record and release record and release because every time you go through that process you get better at, at noticing oh, this is one of those moments where I'm just tired and I need to take a step away. Or this is one of those moments where I've been listening for eight hours straight and that's too much and I need to, you know, take a break. Or this is one of those moments where I'm spiraling and I'm freaking out and I need to just play it to somebody else and get some perspective, you know. So Mm. I think you learn that through recording and releasing. And I think the, the biggest mistake that people can make is that they think that they need to be already there to even start recording and releasing if that makes sense. They need yeah, to already yeah. be confident. They always, always need to already know everything, although you're never going to know everything. But in, in reality, it's the other way around. You need to record and release and do it rinse and repeat. And then you will get to that point where you have that perspective, that confidence, you know, and it won't be unshaking as well. And that's okay. Don't be afraid to make mistakes is another one as well. Because yeah, those mistakes can be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely something you mentioned that you've taken from your visual art background as well. So just kind of backtracking a little bit, because I'd love to know about what it's been like releasing music now that you've been recording it yourself and producing it yourself. But thinking about, obviously, you you decided to embark on really learning these skills and, um, you know, taking charge on a whole new level than maybe you had decided to back in 2014, 15. How did that feel you know, like obviously you enrolled in Home Recording Academy with me. You'd found this whole community of other women embracing this different path, this new way of engaging with music. But how did that feel? Were you nervous? Were you excited? I'm not going to lie. Hell yeah, I was nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with yeah. the first release, I thought nobody's going to. But I did it from, again, I kept reminding myself why I was doing it. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this for any other reason other than the fact that I want this song out there in the world and it's going to be put out with the sounds that I like, that I want it to have. <laughs> the yeah. further than that. You know, if you anything else comes out of it, brilliant, great. Yeah. But yeah, I just think it was really scary doing it and really exciting. It's like that new but you're just about to go away to somewhere that you've never been before. They don't speak your language. You you know, there's no high, you know, no chance in hell you're going to get, you know, <laughs> like that amazing kind of experience and look beautiful coming off the plane. But oh. holy hell, do you look forward to the journey? And it's just, yeah, it was it was really nerve-wracking but exciting, I've got to say, for the definitely for that um that first release. And I have it's it's every release, I'm not gonna lie, it's every release really. But yeah, for that yeah. first one, it was I think it was a bit more because of the fact that it was like, okay, I'm really actually doing this. It's actually happening. <laughs> yeah. Pressing that button, say, yep, upload to the distributor. Yep, that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is so scary, isn't it? And also I think especially if you've done it in-house because Mm. there is something, even though you can feel like your control is taken away, 
you can have that sense of, well, I know that it's good enough because somebody else said it was. And, you know, whereas when you've gone through that process of recording it yourself, I think that first time you release it, it's like, oh, my God, is the whole Internet going to tell me that it's it's crap? You know, but I'm guessing that so, so your, your EP, the first EP that you released after learning to record and produce inside of HRA, what was that one called again, Jenny? It's called One. It's called One. And so when you released One, did the whole internet tell you it was crap? No. No. <laughs> I don't mean to be like those milkshake ladies that they, it was great, but no, honestly, <laughs> they didn't. Not at all. Nobody said it was crap. And I was half expecting that kind of imposter, you know, syndrome mm. where somebody's going to point out, I could hear a click in the background on your phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> Something yeah. like Absolutely. That. Yeah. And You're I just, just looking <laughs> for all of those trolls to come out and you're like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but one of them did. And actually, somebody that, were, that was, um, who goes to lots of recording studios and kind of knows lots of producers and has really got a really good ear and is always one of those kind of really critical kind of, oh, I can eat, they've used auto-tune and them. Mm-hmm. And I was halfway like, here we go, the message is coming. And they turned around and went, where did you record this? Yes. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Any <laughs> do so I cool. put in the fly? So, yeah, I had to pace myself but then get kind of really giddy as I'm going, I did it all myself. <laughs> That's so cool, though. I mean, how good did, did that feel? That must have felt amazing. Oh, yeah. Fist bump the air. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. It was a proper but, way. I mean, and, and I'm I'm really interested in how how we can make music tech learning spaces feel more accessible, feel more fun and exciting. Was there anything about Home Recording Academy that you feel meant you were able to release music of that quality by yourself? Um, I think it helped break it down for me to mm-hmm. a point where I can I can verbalize it of where I even want it. To, but you verbalize it back to yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like it's when you're there doing the recording, the actual recording process. You're like that's too much at the forefront. Where do I want it? Mm-hmm. I want it to sound like the person is off to the right hand side of me, off in the distance potentially yelling at me but I can barely hear what they're saying but at the same time there's something ethereal about it all right I kind of got an idea about placement I think that was with some of your modules in HRA they were talking about placement of sound and just the that kind of yeah where you're I can't put the words out and a spatialization (laughs) thank you yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah and and um it was also uh the textures of sound so that was those they're all taken on board even though you're not probably thinking oh I'm going to apply this straight away and I'm going to be using that jargon straight away but you do to yourself even and you go right when you're trying to work out sound or you're trying to work out what you're trying to achieve it does come back to you and you go, okay, right, that's where I want to have it. Or there's not a particular, you know, maybe there's a particular wave in something that you want and it's not quite, you know, gradiating or they've got a good the gradient that you want in, in the way that the wave's working through of, of a particular melody. If <laughs> I'm probably not wording this very well either because, again, it's hard to, to verbalise music. But, um, yeah, it, it kind of helped me go, right, why do I want it there? Why do I want it at that yeah. pace? Why do I want it at that frequency? Is it this yeah. because there's going to give us that haunting sound or is it just because I'm just kind of liking it? 
<laughs> yeah. It sounds like it really got you to kind of drill down into what am I really trying to create here? Why do yeah. I like what I'm doing or not like what I'm doing? What is the intention behind my decisions? Yeah. And then you can really craft the sound. Or if you're not quite achieving that mm-hmm. sound that you are wanting, you can go back to the drawing board and yeah. start again. Okay, right. You're standing yeah. in the middle of the room. Where do you want the noise yeah. come from? And how important yeah. do you think it was yeah. to be learning with just other women? I think the fact that we're all, all tearing each other apart was really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot of lot of um oh god I, it's like a pissing contest with a lot of folks mm. sometimes in music and it like, oh that I've got a bigger better piece of equipment mm. than you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. But in this group, it wasn't anything to, like, nothing like that. Everyone was really trying to, like, okay, well, I use this, but that might not necessarily work for you. And I thought that was so much better, like, approach for for anyone. And even just being a bystander, witnessing some of the conversations that were happening, obviously, so not always engaging in those conversations. There's sometimes a little nugget in there. If you're paying attention to them, you can, oh, I never thought of that. That's kind of interesting. Somebody's just said put something in a particular way, and I've I've taken that on board. It's like, yeah, okay, I like what they're saying there. Yeah, just very supportive, very um, collaborative in a in a without actually being actually there yeah. in your project or there in your face and actually there in your music. It's almost collaborative without mm. being invasive with its collaboration. Yeah. Is, which is I always really think helpful. that, um, like when when I'm kind of in the Home Recording Academy group and watching those conversations, I always think about what I was taught in um, some counselling training that I did, where they're saying you should only ever offer something or contribute something for the benefit of that person, should never be for the benefit of you. And I think that's the biggest difference I've seen in the Home Recording Academy community as opposed to a lot of other music tech communities where it's like in HRA, someone will offer you a suggestion if it genuinely is for your benefit. They will not rip something apart or tell you've got the wrong microphone or whatever just to make them look good or big or, yeah, you know. And I think that's the big difference. It's like, and I think that's where it feels a bit more collaborative. It's like everyone's collaborating to help each other learn as opposed to competing to come off mm. as the best or, you know. Exactly, yeah. That And I think there's also a nice safe haven and a safe place, like a little uh, sanctuary for us to be able to share our music and share our ideas. I, I know there's been a lot of really mm. nice posts up, um, even in response to, to somebody's latest release or just just being able to share it in that way. It, and it's such a, a kind of... Without, sounding a bit odd it's a really I suppose personal and almost like you're showing yeah. part of your body it is yeah. a very um it's really vulnerable. yeah a very uh mm-hmm. exposing yes, <laughs> vulnerable situation yeah and um when you're sharing your music and especially when you're sharing it to such a, a group of select you know quite a select people and you do feel like oh god you know that that same thing comes in your head are they just going to think it's crap are they just going to oh god all the things that could possibly be said and all the things that could possibly be thought about what you're just posting up but then when you start seeing that people are just supporting it and just going oh that's a, you know congrats on the, even just on the congrats on the release yeah. and getting you know um and just hearing about the fact that they're they may be struggling to to get up and record themselves but 
how the fact that you've released something is making them think I'm going to get up and I'm going to try my door again before yeah. I give up. <laughs> so it's just, in that respect, yeah, brill. You can't you can't put a, a better group of peeps together. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, no, it's a pretty special space, and yeah, it's it's an amazing community. So. So yeah, so you you were able to get your your first EP to a point where you're ready to release it. You release it. The internet does not tell you it's shit, which is great. In fact, you know you have people who really respect tell you this is really good. Where did you record this? Not realizing you'd actually done it yourself. I know that also one of the tracks on this EP was made. BBC introducing track of the week on BBC Midlands. Yeah, so that must have felt pretty cool, Jenny. It's amazing because I think when I was looking back at all the other tracks, I, I can. It was I, I did I did cry. <laughs> there was a little tear because I just thought, what achievement! I didn't expect it to do anything. Yeah. I, I genuinely thought that that's it's just not going to do anything. I'll upload it on a whim. Go on, because you do, and you just think if it does something great, if it doesn't, and I think that was my attitude for everything: is if it does something great, and if it doesn't, at least it's out there, and at least I'm doing it for the reasons that I want to be doing it for. And uh, when it when I got the email, and um, I kind of. <laughs> and then I did I, I cried and I told my husband like oh my god I can't believe that this is something you know after two EP releases before this EP and before this track have been put out there and they've had PR I paid for PR I've paid for the other things I've, I've put money behind these things and yet this is something that I didn't put any money behind I didn't put any extra behind I just put my full force behind it and um it's done this and I suppose that that kind of reflects back on what we were saying earlier about that disconnect. I think because I've been so involved in the making of this, I am almost so much more invested and so much more involved on the other yeah. side as well. So that means that the, the promotion, I won't call it promotion, but it is a form of promotion, the putting it out there to, to really kind of help people understand why I'm yeah. making these songs and <laughs> what I'm writing about and why I've made those dis- decisions from a production standpoint, you know, all of that is just so much more invested in. It's just so much more weight behind it of my own and my own belief, I suppose. And a bit more, in a way, it comes across hopefully mm, more genuine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you make a really good point, yeah. Jenny. Like it's amazing how when you make something from the heart, but you've also had a real hand in shaping or even totally steered like the whole process of shaping how that comes across to a listener because that that is what recording and production does you know it's how does that then be how is that committed to a recording that other people are going to hear and therefore experience that music so if you've had a hand in that then you can't it, it's much harder to not feel much more passionate and invested and therefore when you share it that it really sounds like it comes from the heart and it comes from somewhere unique and special that it hasn't just been put through you know the the same old process Um, and sometimes that Mm. means you know it's not a standard industry recording and that's it's um that's its strength as well and it makes it stand out but but that's not yeah it wasn't ever the goal that's the funny thing isn't it that's so bizarre but yeah, that wasn't necessarily. It wasn't necessarily goal. I think it's just yeah. something that was achieved, just from it. But for, from my perspective, again, but even that same kind of feedback that I got from the previous releases that wasn't as fulfilling. This feels, even if it's just the blip of somebody liking something yeah. on Facebook, it's 
yes, it's one like, but holy hell, does that like feel amazing? It doesn't feel like the other one, the other releases, I say, keep referring back to those. But the other releases, when I got a like, it was like, yeah, what yeah. else? But with this one, it's like, <laughs> a like. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's just a total different mindset I must be in. or And like I said, the whole journey of it, I just think it's definitely shifted my goals and aims and I suppose yeah definitely got a different different goal and aim and perspective on it (laughs) yeah and you know I'm glad to say that you're also now about to release two your second EP so you didn't just kind of you you didn't go through that first release of a self-recorded EP and be like never again you're like let's do this again (laughs) so how long did you leave it until you were like actually I've got more in me when did you start putting the plans together for this next EP uh it's it's actually the plan Mm -hmm. from the beginning oh Isabel (laughs) I've planned this along (laughs) and it's just I like I said I'm not going to say to myself rigidly I have to have this done it has Mm -hmm. to be done this way but I did have the seed of an idea that totally kind of, it fits so perfectly. It was like a little God send, God ray of a message to go into, like I should be definitely, definitely follow that idea and that concept. And so two is its twin, is one's twin. And um, we're continuing on, but with a flip on the theme, because one was very much one for sorrow and two is a bit Mm. more two for joy. So we've got two flip ideas of, and, and concepts of the types of music that you'd be hearing on that. And even though I'm not actually saying it's one for sorrow and two for joy, it's implied by the magpies. So I've got the magpies as a, the, the concept idea behind it. And, um, yeah, I, I knew I was going to do this from the outset. When I started one, I knew that two was going to be the next thing that I started work on. So the moment one was finished, um, and I have to say finished, I, I mean out there and released, I pressed the release button and, did all the PR and all the other stuff. I started, or I think I already had one or two of the tracks from two already started, maybe started recording. Because I think you do that anyway. Um, when you start recording, you want to just put your ideas down, even though you've got the songs maybe there and you've had the songs for years. Some of these songs I've had for years, just sitting in, in archives. Some of them I've written very recently. And I knew that I was going to put them all together in you know, a certain a certain way. And I think I wanted it so that when they do get released, when both one and two come out, they work together, but they also, the, the tracks can work intermingled with one another. They don't have to be, you know, in that linear listening with all kind of that uh, chronological order of release listening um, style. So people can mix it up and kind of get different different sense and a different vibe from each one. But yeah, so two had already started to pretty much when one was out and uh, already kind of doing its thing. And then two came together very quickly, actually, compared to one. But that's, again, like you said, you keep recording and releasing, things get a little bit better or or easier. I don't know if that's even those two words are even the right words for that. But they just, something just seems to get a bit more fluid, a bit more. You know, you get a bit more practiced at it 
and I don't know about you but like I I then get a little bit bit more ambitious I like take a bit more on I'm like well yeah. I know how to record like guitar voice now I'm going to add a few other things in or whatever it might be or add something to my release campaign yeah. or you know exactly different different sounds that I've never used before a particular instrument I've I've maybe didn't think was quite fitting for the first one but I'm going to be using for this one the way it came together I you know, say it was quite fast it, it took it takes about six months but I'm working every weekend and I'm working on the evenings <laughs> my, my husband says he's a musician or a music widow <laughs> he calls it music widow because he's always downstairs <laughs> playing on FIFA while I'm doing my recording <laughs> keeping himself quiet now and then he'll get a shout out like I can hear you (laughs) coughing I definitely my partner gets that too yeah especially when I'm recording this podcast (laughs) (laughs) when you're quiet quiet in the house you can hear him blinking (laughs) Blinking very loudly right now (laughs) looking at a ball on the audio but yeah (laughs) so he's uh it kind of, uh, like I said, six months was quite, quite short compared to one because I felt like one was a bit more. I, t- I was a bit mm. more timid with one because, like I said, I was kind of starting it before I even started mm. HRA, and then I thought, then when obviously HRA was, I picked up a bit more momentum with it. But then two, I think it had that momentum still carry on from one and that enthusiasm still carry on. Like, okay, people aren't just going to straight away mm. call it crap. Yeah, and that's really good to to have that experience under your belt, you know, because, again, that can be quite paralyzing, that fear, and it can stop you getting your music out. But then when you get it out and you realize, actually, it's good enough, you know, it's it's really good, and then you you have a bit more – it frees something up to start creating again, I think. Uh, Definitely. uh, It got those uh, creative juices, again, flowing. And with this one, I think, like I was talking to you, a little bit earlier about it the struggle with it was trying to make it so different from the first one because I think we all have our comfort zones and I don't don't get me wrong I'm not saying that I, I completely went out there of my comfort zone with this one but I took what I had from the first one and applied it to this one and there were elements of maybe that didn't quite work with what I'm trying to get from within the kind of mood of this one and uh, so each track I wanted to be upbeat or quite I suppose, just have a little bit of energy about them or or just a nice soothing energy, even if it wasn't going to be, you know, a pop of like pizzazz in your face (laughs) kind of stuff. So I wanted to get that, but it's really hard to emulate that. It's really hard to get that in just a a recording and to get it that same thing that you would have live. It's a hard thing to capture. And you can, you know, jump around all you like where you're recording it and actually singing it. But it doesn't sound right when you're recording it because obviously then you sound breathy and ridiculous. But um, that was in itself a challenge. And then I think when it came to the instrumentation, that was a challenge mm-hmm. again because you you find you you go back to the old same old instruments that you're mm-hmm. using, the same old guitar or the same old something. And it really, I think with this one because I wanted a mood, a particular mood it helped push out those sounds and go, okay, what happens when I do this? What happens when I do that? Oh, I don't, well, that, no. But I'm going to put that one in my back pocket for later. I'll see, I might come back to that one later on when I'm doing a different track down the road, but not for this one today. And it, yeah, a lot of trial and error, I'd say, even though it was quicker to create two, it was a lot of trial and error. 
Well, I'm going to suggest that we take a listen to one of the tracks better than this so that we can get a sense of what you're talking about, Jenny, and then maybe we can dive into that track and tell us, you know, what you were working with on that one. So we'll take a listen now. Say the word, jump and watch me go This is not a thing about me that you don't know And so, so deep, more than physical The second half of me, the other part of my soul Strength to strength, good to blaze No, it doesn't get better than this Okay, so that was better than this. Um, Jenny, can you tell us a bit about, maybe just start off with the instrumentation. What kind of textures were you working with and how did that differ from when you were making one? So this is a lot more sultry a lot less about the, the pain and the hurting <laughs> and and the loss um, that one had. And it was more into sultry and I, I wanted kind of like an 80s powerhouse vibe, almost like a, you know, rock chick with her big shoulder pads and she's got her sunglasses on and she's got a brilliant perm that she's rocking. I think that was what I was visualising. And the occasional palm tree going <laughs> going overhead, <laughs> a bit kind of... What, uh, what's his name, uh, Boys of Summer kind of vibe. So it was very, it was summery. It was, it was like a summer feel that I wanted. And um, with the instrumentation, I, I, I had to I had to splash out on a new guitar. <laughs> it just had to be done. <laughs> love it. Well, I love that guitar. <laughs> Is that the electric guitar I can hear? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I couldn't make this sound from my acoustic and I couldn't get this sound from... And it didn't matter how much mm-hmm. I twiddled and twiddled with different sounds of uh, from I, I had a, I have a slide guitar and that still wasn't coming up with the sound that I wanted. It was a too Hawaiian and too yeah. It just didn't have that eighties mm-hmm. pop kind of vibe and that lovely sun, sunny kind of sunset thing going on. And so when I picked up this guitar that we went, I did specifically go out and shop for a guitar. Don't don't get me wrong. I didn't just happen across this beautiful guitar because <laughs> that would be amazing if it happened. But uh, I did actually um, set out with a goal in the, in the new year um, to invest. And it is an investment to get a new piece of equipment, no matter what you're doing anyway. <laughs> but I invested in a new guitar that is purely electric. And it was, um, even though it's a hollow body, it doesn't have the, that. Um, it doesn't, make that resonance that you would have from an acoustic but that's brilliant because it made this lovely silky sound that I really liked on that track and it just worked perfectly and it actually that was it's one of those moments when you start laying it down you're like oh my god this is exactly <laughs> what I wanted yeah. <laughs> um yeah so it was really lovely to be that's able to put cool. that down on that that was a definite decision made and, and on this track and the rest of the EP, you've got percussion, haven't you? So how did you go about incorporating that? I'm going to put my hand up. I am no drummer. Neither am I. <laughs> I not know how to play the drums. Not at all. And if you put me on a set of drums, I'd probably be able to just do that. Oh, I, I wouldn't dun, even dun, be able to do that. <laughs> stuttered. Stuttered. Yeah. Dun, 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 the little the normal, very stuttered version of that but yeah it really takes some working out for drums and I had to put my head into drummer mode and think right I'm sitting at a drum kit 
where do I want the splash mm-hmm. to come in? Right, it's too early. I can't put mm. the splash yet. <laughs> and then really breaking down, right, uh, the guy's here. He's over here on the drums. He's doing that. That's fine. That's fine. I've got that down. That's great. And he's got the beat of the bass drum. Got mm. that down. Okay. Right. But I want a little bit more of the – so in better than this, you can hear a bit more of a a bit more of a tom-tom down. It's like a, a drift down on the tom-toms to the, to the snare again, which – you, when you're seeing live, you're thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a given. But then when you're trying to create that on a MIDI and you're trying to create that that perfect kind of 80 sound and not have it too live mm-hmm. or too dry um, or sound too synthetic, like you want it synthetic enough to for, for people to make that relation of like, yeah, it's got that powerhouse 80s vibe, but it's, it's not so thin- synthetic that people go, oh, my God, this was done on a MIDI player. Yeah. This is terrible. This is, yeah. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> So it was really hard to put your mind anyway, really hard to put my mind in that in that zone of like, this is the drum kit in front of me. This is the sound I want out of it. And then once I've got that drum bit down, I did play around with the sound enough to take the synthetic away from it or to add some of it, you know, to give it that slap Mm -hmm. that I wanted. (laughs) That was hard as well. Keep going back into it. So I probably went into that slap about a gazillion times to make sure it was right. Yeah. Minute I think that's that's a yeah. really important thing that a lot of people don't realise when they haven't used MIDI a lot though is that the original sounds, the like the pure MIDI sound that you're given by your DAW is only the beginning. You know, once you start tweaking those parameters, adding some effects, all that kind of stuff, you can really shape the sound and it will sit better in the mix. It will have much more the tone that you're looking for. So, you know, if anyone's listening and they're like, well, I tried making a beat on MIDI and it sounded awful just you know try messing around those parameters because just like you're saying it can take some tweaking but then when you tune your ear into how those tweaks make changes sonically you really start to be able to craft the sound that you're looking for yeah get get your rhythm down first for sure I'd say that's yeah yeah and then tweak the sound once you've got your rhythm and you know kind of where you are with that 100% you can have it's your oyster have fun have a play and with better than this, are there any other textures that you're that you're featuring that were not on the original one EP? I do think there was there was way more MIDI, definitely, and because uh, um, one was a bit more piano, and uh, even though the piano was MIDI itself, that was the only kind of thing, and maybe the occasional bass drum bit, but there wasn't really any hard drums in it. There was it was very kind of um, stripped back, kind of folky. Mm-hmm. more ethereal i suppose in the way that it was uh, put together um whereas this one definitely had a bit more midi behind it a midi layering in uh, one particular track i used i think it was an accordion midi oh. accordion which is nothing worse yeah. when you're playing that exact you know as it is it sounds yeah. horrendous but then when like you said you start playing around with it it's it really made a kind of almost paolo mm-hmm. nutini-esque start to a song which I thought, wow, okay, that that really did, maybe that is exactly what he would use, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, just having a play is is a lot of fun. And I think, if, like I said, if you're not too afraid to just, oh, I'm going to just try it, does a cowbell work? And then you can, like I said, play around with the sound of it. It does, it might surprise yeah. you, it might work. So um, yeah. if people are, you know, interested in finding out more about Two and listening to Two, where can they go and check it out? It's already been released. Sorry. 
Yes, I've, tra- I've timed it for bank holiday Monday past, um, which is, I think it was September the something. But I do time these uh, on purpose. Again, it's the whole conceptual kind of thing. I try and keep it within a certain parameter in my yeah. head <laughs> and, and time the release um, to come out at a particular time of year that I think it would suit. So this was very much because it was a bit more of an upbeat vibe, but then it had these lovely kind of sunset soothing tracks best way to describe it sunset soothing <laughs> I wanted to keep it ends of summer so I thought end of summer kind of nostalgic for summer that was a good place to keep it so it's it was already out and what time of year did, did you release one Jenny uh one was my dad's birthday because <laughs> it's very much about the loss of him and a lot of the tracks were about okay the dealing of the loss of him that myself and my siblings had. So it was a lot about kinship and and loss and bereavement. And I timed it perfectly to come out on his birthday. <laughs> so and it was, time of year was that? amazing that it came out on that date. Um November the twenty fourth. Okay. Okay. And that yeah. was last year, two thousand twenty twenty one. And this one, being two, has come out in 2022. I did not plan that. It just happened. But let's just say I planned it and make it look more clever than I had. <laughs> yeah. And if people want to go and listen to it and find out more, where, where should they go? They can go to www.pennymusic.co.uk. And they can have a Brilliant. Okay, www.pennymusic.co.uk. Well, we will link to that in the show notes so people can go and check out two and the other music you've got. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, um, Jenny. I think it's been wonderful to, to hear about your process and hear about your journey as well. And just my final question is, if there's anyone listening who's maybe way back in that period before you you were starting to really take ownership of this process and record and release your music yourself. If there's someone kind of who who hasn't gone through that journey yet, but they they're curious to get started, they want to, but they're a little bit scared to get going, what would your advice be to them? Well, nobody really can start it for them. <laughs> so don't force yourself is what I'm going to say, because forcing yourself to do anything can be very bad. But I think do it on your own terms, definitely that. And I think definitely there's there's something to be said about even the smallest idea, getting that down and getting that recorded. And it just even in its most basic form, whether it's just you and your jangly guitar and your or your piano and just you want to get an idea down. I think that that's always a fab starting point. And then maybe if you've always had something in your head like a little layering of vocal try that out maybe harmonize with yourself sing with yourself for a bit <laughs> don't think so i'm kind of hearing jenny <laughs> get started before you feel ready yeah it it it's it's almost like to to do it on your own terms and not to not to push yourself and not to have anyone else push you to do it but there's no right or wrong way of doing anything either and i've always said that to to people that i know there's no age limit. There's no time limit. <laughs> Just it's going to be whatever is right for you at whatever point. And it'll either, like you said, the seed of an idea will either drop there mid-recording and you'll be like, holy crap, it's all coming together. Or it might not be that recording. It might be where you're trying to get off to sleep and you've got work the next day because <laughs> that happens <laughs> a lot too. 
because yeah. <laughs> that's really irritating. But at the same time, it's it's great because it's a it's an idea that you can if you can really embed it in your head that night, you can come to it maybe that evening or the next evening, sorry, and um, start putting it into practice. Like thinking, hold on, I've just put that lovely melody, and I can hear another melody over the top of it in my head. Oh, I'm going to try and have a little go at harmonising, or I'm going to have a little go putting that into piano. See what happens, or whatever you're doing, just have a bash you can't you can't go wrong giving it a go give it a go yeah yeah I know that's not a strong a strong kind of yeah do it <laughs> it's like yeah I don't want to I don't want to feel like I'm preaching to somebody but definitely no no well I mean I think we're we're presuming that someone wants to do it already <laughs> we're, not, <laughs> we're talking to someone who's listening they're listening to girls twiddling knobs and they want to but maybe they've been holding themselves back you know so it sounds like what you're saying, Jenny, is just, you know, just get started and then you will, ideas will come. If you build it, it will come. I don't know if that's copymarked or copyright or whatever. I might get in trouble for saying that, but yes. <laughs> and it sounds like for you, you know, learning to record and produce yourself has led to you having an even more intimate relationship with your creative process and your music making. But that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't have just allowed yourself to show up and do it imperfectly yes yeah and take my time with it but go on my my own and answer to myself I think that was a big thing is answering to myself about my my deadlines and and where I want to go with something that that doesn't mean answering to yourself like you didn't turn up last Saturday and didn't do recording I'm gonna break your legs (laughs) just thinking no it's not that It's, it's more just just you you are the creator you are the person who's to say that if you know Heck, if you want to put something in there that nobody would think about putting in there, put it in. Yeah. And if it takes you six months to, to write and record one song and, and a day to write and record another, that's okay. Exactly. You're on your own time scale. Yeah. No, nobody's the boss of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Jenny. Um, and it's been so great to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Isabel. And I hope people do enjoy the tracks if they listen to them and... I hope they didn't mind me blathering on for a bit. Okay, so I hope that if you were nodding along when Jenny was describing the disappointment she'd felt recording her music through other people in the past, you embrace her ethos of just getting started on your own recording and production journey. It really isn't about feeling confident and ready enough to start. You won't feel those things until you've taken some practical, hands-on, imperfect action But I also think Jenny's point about listening to your own intuition about how and when you go about this is key as well. It's important that you feel safe and supported in the process. So whether that's just within yourself or with a more formal community and framework like Home Recording Academy, do what feels right for you. No one else can go on this journey for you. But as Jenny communicated so well in our chat, boy, is it worthwhile. It's amazing how being properly invested in the whole music making process can translate into real heart and soul that other people can connect with in our recordings. And in Jenny's case, and so many more of my students, some really fulfilling personal outcomes too. If you want to find out more about Jenny and listen to her new EP too, check out the link in the show notes. It's a fabulous body of work and I thoroughly recommend listening to its more stripped back twin, One, as well. Now, next week on the podcast, we're getting into something really juicy, how to deal with other people's advice. 
I'll be breaking this down into two distinct categories of unsolicited advice and feedback we've actually sought out. And while they're quite different in nature, they both bring challenges and points for consideration with them. Join me next week to break it all down. But till then, take care and I'll catch you here soon. Girls Twiddling Knobs is hosted and produced by me, Isabel Anderson, with production support from Jade Bailey. The show notes are compiled by Francesca O'Connor, and this is a female DIY musician production. So, how do you like that episode, dear listener? If you loved it, and you know someone else who would love it too, be a good friend and share it with them. Go on, spread the girls' twiddling knobs love.